Welcome to the HR Power Hour, presented by Career Management Associates. I'm David Chulo. It's about all things in the human resource world. We're going to bring in local, regional, and national guests, and we're going to talk about a variety of topics and explain why human resource management is critical to your business success so that you can make decisions to keep and retain great talent. Welcome to the HR Power Hour, presented by CMACareer.com and Veril-Law.com. I'm Tani Alvarez, your host from Veril, and today our guest is Vinny Allard, Director of Advisory National Accounts at Human Interest. And today we're discussing the 411 on 401k. It may be a bit of an overstatement, but my hope is that by the end of this show, listeners have all the information they need about how 401ks work, how small and mid-sized companies can offer this as a benefit to their employees, and recent legislation in states which require companies to offer 401ks. Welcome, Vinny, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Like I say to, to most of my participants, I really have a face for radio and for um, for podcasts. So that's one of the reasons I love it. But if people could see us right now, they would have laughed, I think, at your face when I said, hey, in the next hour, you're going to find out everything you need to know about 401ks. And Vinny's face kind of drops and is like, Tony, this is not what we discussed. Um, but really kind of what I am hoping for here is an overview. Let's understand even what a 401k is and why it's something that we're hearing so much more about lately. Um, but before we get into the heart and kind of the really foundational elements about 401ks, Vinny, why did I invite you to be on the show today? Um, tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of why you're a subject matter expert here. Absolutely, and and um, I love the intro there. The the, the face or radio joke gets me uh, gets me every time. I've I've heard a few folks use that one, and I I love it every time. But um, I've been in the financial service industry about fifteen, closing in on twenty years now, which is kind of scary to think about. And I've been in a few different capacities. So while I may not consider myself a, a true expert, I, I I think no more than the average. Um, and I functioned as both a financial advisor, a wholesaler in the asset management industry. Uh, and then here, human interest for for about the last three years, I've um, worked my way to, as you mentioned, director of advisor national accounts, uh, and it's been quite a um, uh, different path than I think most is is most tend to stay on one side or the other. But what really drew me to human interest is the fact that they're out here trying to solve the retirement crisis, which uh, I think to get back to you know why I'm here in the first place is is what we want to talk about and really demystify the the 401k as best we can over the next hour. Okay, so you mentioned you're the director of advisor national accounts for human interest. I mentioned that as well when I introduced you. But I'm sure a lot of people are saying, what's human interest? My goal, hopefully, is that a lot of people already know who you are. And they're saying, Tony, move past this, let's get to the substance. But for those who don't know, what is human interest? Yeah, so human interest is what we consider a fully bundled record keeping platform. So we're we're a technology platform that, it, to simplify it, does 401k uh, and technically 403b2, which is more for the nonprofit sector. But really, we were designed as a solution to help employees in all lines of work get access to a secure retirement. 
for the last, call it 30 or 40 years, when ERISA retirement plans have been around, and, and ERISA is the, the organization that basically sets the rules out for employers and what they need to do or not do when they offer a retirement plan, um, small businesses have been very overlooked and it's been very hard for them to offer a plan. So our company came with a technology platform that allows you and your small business, whether you're doing it on your own or with a financial advisor, to uh, easily and affordably uh, offer that plan to, to your business and employees. Uh, and then more specifically, my role as Director of Advisor National Accounts is to work with the large national firms and their compliance folks, back office individuals, even attorneys in some cases where it comes to, to reviewing legal documents to get our platform, for lack of a better term, approved on their, uh, I guess, virtual product shelf uh, as there's you know dozens and dozens of, of 401k providers out there that they need to vet out and make sure that um, they're, I guess, safe for their advisors to use for their clients. Now, you say smaller companies, you know, when I'm working with Fortune 100, they might think that we're talking about 5,000, 10,000 employees. What would be kind of a, the perfect or kind of niche that you really look at servicing or that you find best, uh, find your um, services to be most helpful? Well, I mean, I think from the corporate perspective, I'd, I'd be... Uh corrected when I got back to the home office if I didn't say we would love to help all businesses. But I think we were really designed specifically for that true local neighborhood small business that it might be that four or five person mom and pop shop. You know, I mean, for example, my parents owned a liquor store growing up and they were five employees and they would have never thought to offer a 401k. But we're designed for folks like them that whether it's the uh, competition for talent or a state mandate that's forcing them or kind of turning their hand to make them offer that plan uh, and to be able to do so without having a team of HR experts, like you said, that that quote unquote small Fortune 100 company may have uh, that's historically managed the plan with, say, like a Fidelity or some massive organization like that. These small businesses just don't have the bandwidth. So really, we've made a, a great home for ourselves in call it the sub 75 person workforce with a zero asset startup plan all the way up to to maybe 10 or 15 million dollars on on what to us is you know we consider the larger side um but then to also you know talk out of the other side of my mouth here we've done very well with larger organizations and franchises that are well above a thousand so it's been a very i guess to describe it a barbell business model where we have these very small organizations these very large organizations uh and then a few folks in between you know, based off of kind of what you've just said, I think one of the key terms is bandwidth, right? Mm -hmm. Does your current team have the bandwidth to to provide this benefit? And we're going to spend some time, you know, later in the show for me to better understand why companies probably want to be offering this benefit. But I'm sure that there, we have a number of listeners right now who are saying, Tony, this is just another show with you telling me something else I have to do. And don't you understand that, like, if every week you're telling me something else I need to do, um, there's a whole list of things that are not going to occur. Um, but as we kind of make a bigger list for people, I really kind of enjoy having you here because you're also offering to assist in this. I'm not just, you know, telling you, hey, this is something new you need to focus on, but with hope you'll walk away um, from today's episode with some resources as well. But let's get down to that fundamental kind of baseline question. Oh, what's a 401k? 
Yeah, and at its most simplistic, which I know I, I kind of threw a wrench into plans and threw Arissa out there earlier to, to really confuse folks and, and see, you know, who had their knowledge uh, up to snuff and did their homework ahead of time. But uh, the 401k plan to, to, I guess, most easily describe it is an employee sponsored retirement plan. It's a way for your employees to save more than they could with, say, their traditional IRA, which has, I think, a $6,000 limit currently. With a 401k, employees and employers can put away actually up to $60,000 per year through employer contributions, employee contributions, and then something called profit sharing, which we won't really get into, but it's a way for a business to share its its profits with its employees at the end of the year and basically make a nice contribution to their 401ks and retirement plan and also save a bit on taxes. So um, th- there's a whole host of reasons to look at the 401k is it's better for your business, better for your employees. Uh, I know we'll talk about it later, but there's, there's certainly some tax incentives for businesses as well. Um, and, and most importantly, in this time where we've seen the Great Recession over the last couple of years with, with COVID, uh, it's the second most requested benefit after health insurance. So for employers to be able to say, hey, we have this turnkey integrated solution that is really going to automate itself. So, you know, they're not going to have to do all the stuff every week, like you're saying, Um, we can really take that off their plate and work with either the business, their financial professional, whoever that administrator for the plan is to get another nice cost effective benefit that their employees are hopefully going to utilize in place and, and do it very quickly and efficiently. For those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to the HR Power Hour radio show. I'm your host, Tani Alvarez, and today our guest is Vinia Lard, Director of Advisor National Accounts at Human Interest. And today we're discussing the 411 on 401ks. So now that I understand, Vinny, kind of what a 401k is, are there some basic rules that um, small and medium size or, or all employers, in fact, should be aware of um, related to 401ks? I mean, I'm a lawyer, so in my mind, something like this has to be regulated, whether it's laws, rules, something along those lines. But are there some basic rules that small or mid-sized, or let's just say all employers should be aware of related to 401ks? Absolutely. And and thankfully, because it's so regulated, whether the business is a startup plan with five employees or a multinational corporation with tens of thousands, the rules for the 401k remain the same. It's really just how you administer it that changes. Uh, But I think issues that all plans tend to face and need to pay attention to are things uh, such as top-heavy testing which uh, it's called that because that essentially means the owners or highly compensated employees in the plan are the only ones putting money in. And the reason that's an issue is because it tends to, tends to be viewed as a tax shelter for your higher paid employees, while your lower compensated employees or you know rank and file may not be able to, to take advantage of that benefit. And, and so it's, it's not truly an employee benefit. It's a tax stash for those higher paid uh, wage earners. So that's one thing that a lot of folks, especially in um, family businesses, for example, where it might be, uh, you know, a couple sons and a father, their spouses, and then maybe, you know, a handful of others, they're going to run into that and not be able to max out their plan unless the employees that, you know, aren't part of that ownership or highly compensated group are also doing uh, a good amount of contributions and, you know, or they're doing profit sharing or something to that effect. So uh, that's probably the most common 
thing that we see when when looking at um, the small plan or plan space in general, companies failing testing. But then it's things like contributions being processed and invested on time. And, and one way to avoid that is to work with a provider like Human Interest that has an integrated solution. Uh, and what I mean by integrated solution is we connect with over 300 payroll providers to help automate that administration process of the 401k. So those CSETs, as they're called them for contributions, I don't know what that means. I, I don't know the payroll world very well. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you there. But uh, we process those incredibly quickly with 99.99% accuracy. I think the stat was thrown out there. And without that integration, the business owners left to do that by themselves, which again, if you're a big organization with an HR team, you can do that. If you're a small business that doesn't have the bandwidth and you're just trying to keep your head above water on a daily basis, you don't have time for it. So we've talked about organizations that maybe have half a dozen employees and some issues that could be experienced in, in that environment. What about if you're a startup? What about if it's just you and maybe you have one other employee? Um, can you have a 401k? Absolutely. I mean, we love that. Uh, even a lot of sole proprietors will come to us with with plans that, you know, they're a profitable business. They want to uh, put away as much as they can to defer taxes. Um, so that's a great situation for that, you know, one or two person business. But I think to, to speak more to what you're speaking of, that that startup or small business that's, you know, hasn't even ramped yet or may not be mature, um, concerns that they may have are, can I afford it? You know, because there's, there's a cost to all of this. And depending on the provider, you may see the costs laden into your mutual funds through revenue shares and, and 12B1 expenses. And ultimately that comes at the cost of your employees or participants, because that's where the cost is you know, hidden because the plan sponsor or, or business is told, oh, it's nothing out of your pocket, which ultimately sounds great to them. But in studies, I think uh, our, our my marketing team had prepped me with the stat that the average 401k plan for a participant costs about 1.6% annually. And here at Human Interest, you know, whether working with or without an advisor, we're a fraction of that, anywhere from one-third to two-thirds of, of the cost of the participant. And so think about what that does, especially when investment professionals are projecting a slower growth environment for the next few years where every percentage point matters. So that's one thing to, to be aware of. And the other is, you know, do you want to pay it out of pocket? How do you want to pay for that? You know, how generous of a benefit do you want to design for your employees? Do you want to match? Because I, I know this is probably coming up in our questions, but you don't have to do that. You know, you can amend the plan or change the plan later on to add that in as your financial situation uh, improves. So there's really no special situations of can I or should I do this? Um, it's more of a, is it the right time for my business from a, a cash flow perspective and, and will my employees use it, I think. I think that's really helpful. And especially when we're talking about startups where, you know, one or 2% is in a lot of cases, make or break that $1,000, $2,000, that money in a lot of cases in the startup world just doesn't exist. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's helpful to understand kind of some of this baseline information and also how human interest can assist in the process. Um, we're going to take a break with that. You've been listening to the HR Power Hour on News Talk WLOB 100.5 FM and WLOBradio.com. We'll be right back. 
Founded in 1958, Jackson Lewis is a national law firm with a local presence. The firm's 765 attorneys practicing in 54 locations throughout the U.S. and Puerto Rico provide a wide range of resources to address every aspect of the employer-employee relationship. HR professionals, business and in-house counsels, and C-suite professionals count on Jackson Lewis as it has one of the most active employee litigation practices in the United States. Contact them today at jacksonlewis.com. That's jacksonlewis.com. highly regulated climate. Customized HR solutions are needed more than ever. Career Management Associates can partner with your existing HR department for projects or even serve as your outsourced HR team. From compliance and compensation to investigations and employer relations, CMA provides you trusted HR solutions. Call 207-780-1125 or visit cmacareer.com. And we're back, and you're listening to the HR Power Hour, presented by CMACareer.com and Veril-Law.com. I'm your host, Tony Alvarez, and today our guest is Vinny Allard, Director of Advisor National Accounts at Human Interest. And today we're discussing the 411 on 401ks. If you're just joining us, you missed a great segment where we discuss what 401ks are, some of the regulations that apply to them, and, you know, the fact that everyone, every company can offer a 401k if, if they're able to comply with, with some of the rules, not some of, but let's say all of the rules and regulations that are out there. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about a match earlier, and, and you mentioned that an employer doesn't have to offer a match, but are there tax consequences both for an employer or an employee with regards to 401k contributions? Absolutely. And, and of course, the, the business or uh, employee should, should always check with their accountant or CPA when, when this is going on. But thankfully for the employee, uh, in their perspective, most of it's automated in, in the form of their W-2. So the only tax implications uh, for, for the employee are whether they're contributing in a traditional or pre-tax sense or Roth uh, or post-tax sense. Um, because, of course, the traditional uh, 401k contributions, much like your IRA, are tax deductible where your Roth or post-tax contributions are not. So uh, for the employee, that's their only real concern there. 
Um, but for the business owner, over the last few years, we've seen some amazing federal legislation come into play uh, in the form of Secure Act, uh, what's now being called 1.0 and, and Secure Act 2.0, uh, which was passed by, I think it was the House earlier this year, and, and we're waiting on um, the other half of the, the government to, to finally approve it. But it looks like it's it's going to pass in or close to its current form, which gives up to $10,000 in a dollar for dollar tax credit back to employers, uh, which is great. Uh, Historically, the 401k, as with other benefits, uh, has been tax deductible from a cost perspective, but this is actually going to give you a dollar for dollar tax credit uh, for those first 10,000 is in expenses, um, pending you check a few uh, other boxes along the way from from company metrics perspectives. But uh, we won't bore with the details of those, uh, especially until it's final. So, I mean, this kind of leads into to my next line of questioning. And, and you're probably going to laugh because, okay, we're talking about taxes. We're going to, you know, bore. I don't want to say boring. Some people <laughs> think it's so thrilling. I've had guests before who you know, that's their lifeblood. They love it. For all the accountants who are listening right now, I apologize. I didn't mean to offend. Um, but a lot of people would say we have a retirement crisis in the United States. Um, this is not news, um, in my opinion. But what are your thoughts on this statement? I mean, is that something that based off of the work that you do at Human Interest, you agree with? Is it overstated? You know, you mentioned the SECURE Act, which appears to to mean that Washington is taking some type of action in this field. But um, do we have a retirement crisis in the United States? I mean, absolutely. It's it's a huge crisis in in human interest for the part that we can play in that, you know, we want to specifically focus on, or we were designed to focus on that quote unquote, smaller end of the business as as we have discussed. Cause I mean, if we look at some of the statistics, you know, 22% of employees at small businesses think they have enough to, to last in retirement or think they're prepared to, to, you know, move towards retirement Uh, on top of 60% that do have uh, a plan for through their employer. So 40% that don't. Um, it's just that gap in coverage for savings is the biggest thing that we're trying to address. And as you mentioned, the government is providing tools there to help with that, with the SECURE Act um, legislation. And then we're also seeing states come into play with their own legislation to force the hand of those small businesses that, that haven't yet, um, which I think is, is a separate and, and interesting conversation on its own because it then makes you ask, all right, well, well, whose responsibility is retirement? Because the government, you know, put all this money out there in the form of Social Security that was supposed to be a solution that was only temporary. But now many folks have come to depend on that and don't have retirement savings outside of it. So uh, it, it's really this, you know, conversation of how do we quickly fix a problem that's been building over the last 40, 50, 60, 70 years? I mean, it's, it's nothing new um, by any means. For those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to the HR Power Hour radio show. I'm your host, Tani Alvarez, and today our guest is Vinny Allard, Director of Advisor National Accounts at Human Interests, and today we're discussing the 411 on 401ks. So, Vinny, it sounds like, you know, we're at this place in the United States where um, we're seeing legislation. We you talked about the Secure Act 1, 1.0 and, you know, where Secure Act 2.0 is in the legislative process. We've talked about employers and, and their responsibilities. 
We talked about individuals and statistics about the number of individuals who believe as that they are, are in a financially stable position as it relates to retirement. But it becomes a, a really interesting question, and I'm sure we could spend hours and hours discussing and analyzing kind of who is responsible for, for helping to fix the retirement crisis that Americans find themselves in. But let's break down kind of the role that these three groups play, at least in the retirement crisis. And I'd first like to talk a little bit about um, an employer's role without government mandates. So I know you mentioned that there's some states that are legislating in this area, and I do want to talk about that later. But let's first talk about does an employer, without regard to those state mandates, just like be a good human, you have to pay your employees, is there an obligation to, to provide retirement funding in some format? So, so there's no obligation. Um, but I will say, I think from everything we've seen on our side, the employers that tend to offer both a plan and some type of matching benefit or contribution they see less turnover and higher retention of employees in the long run. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's the, the second most requested benefit after health insurance. And I mean, w when I came uh, out of college and, and was getting my first job, second job, I mean, every time I go to talk through things with my parents, because they're always my biggest sounding board and, and, you know, I like to get their opinions on things still to this day, even though I was going to work for a 401k company, you know, a few years ago when I came here, they were like, well, does the company have a 401k? I'm like, did you listen to where I said I was going to work? Um, so I, I think that's <laughs> so I think that's the the biggest benefit from the employer perspective. Like like you said, it's the right thing to do. And I mean, from from a, a pure dollars and cents perspective, an employee can't retire without that employer sponsored plan. I mean, who can retire on saving five or six thousand dollars a year in an IRA versus you know? the limit of, of 20,000 that you can put away on your own if you can you know afford to max that on the employer sponsored plan not to mention the potential for matching dollars and and the profit sharing that we discussed before um but i think from a, a whose responsibility is a perspective i mean that's that's up to the business and and i guess what their goals are from a a, a retention and you know um employee satisfaction standpoint so let's focus in on that, the retention argument or the ability to attract employees. So so you mentioned earlier that kind of like this is a key element that employees look at when they're joining an organization. You shared your own personal experience. Do you have any understanding as to whether or not employees are looking just for whether or not there's a 401k or is the employer match a big part of um, whether or not an employee finds the offer, the program to have value. I don't think I've seen any particular studies personally on, on what the impact of a match versus no match is. But I think if I was personally assessing a, a job offer myself and, you know, they were two fairly equal offers at two places that I, I did want to work, I would probably use that, that match as a deciding factor or some way to tip the scales, because, you know, say someone has a 60 or $80,000 a year job and they're saving 4% and they're also getting a 4% match. That's a meaningful money at the end of the year. 
Um, so it's nothing to, to kind of sniff at. But I think em- uh, employees certainly need to, to look at things from a holistic benefit standpoint when assessing what's the right option for them uh, and, and taking a look at, you know, what benefits outside of compensation do, does this employer provide? Because as we've seen in, in some places, you know, they may offer a health plan and you might say, great, uh, they have health insurance, but not all health insurance plans are created equal. Is it going to be a high deductible plan? Am I going to be paying a ton out of pocket? Same thing with the 401k, except in this instance, it's, is the employer going to contribute anything to my savings or is it all going to be on me? And of course, if they're going to contribute that, that certainly is a good sign and, and should weigh more on, on the employee. I think that this line of questioning definitely leads me to the 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 second branch of kind of the three um the three party um, discussion that we were having earlier. Um, so let's talk about individuals and employees themselves. Um, are there additional tools that employers can provide to employees to assist with financial literacy? I mean, you've now spent a, a good portion of time talking about, I mean, we've talked about a match, but we haven't ex- Explained in a lot of ways why it's a benefit, why it's pretty much free money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you put 2% in, the, your employer is going to put 2% in, and there might be a cap, but it's a cap of, of free money. Um, are there things that employers can do to provide employees more financial literacy? Absolutely. And as part of the 401k plan, I guess, requirements or regulations, um, plan providers have to provide some type of financial education or literacy. Uh, Here at Human Interest, we have a whole education portal for employees and employers to go to uh, read articles, studies. We have some calculators for, um, you know, what they can expect in retirement based on their current savings, um, you know, patterns uh, and things of that nature. But I may be a little bit biased coming from this part of the organization um, on the financial advisor side, but I don't think there's any substitute for having somebody, you know, in there pounding the pavement and looking you dead in the eyes saying, you know, hey, Tawny, I've been in the industry this long. I see what you're doing savings. I think this might help you out or I think you might need to do this. So I think that's where our partnerships with financial professionals have been huge because for the small additional cost, because there is a cost to it, you know, whether it's billed to the business owner or whether it's tacked on um, to the participant side of the fees. Uh, that's up for for the individual plans to decide. But those advisors who have been doing this for 20, 30 years have so much expertise and and can often tie the two sides of the house together between what's going on with your 401k and what's going on with you know your personal wealth and savings management and things of that nature to to really get you in the right position to to be prepared for retirement. Well, let's say that we, you and I have already sold a company that, yes, we didn't used to offer 401ks, now we're going to, um, and they're interested in human interest, but they also want to check out, you know, some other um, competitors. What are some key elements that you think that companies should keep in mind when they're comparing entities in this market? I would say first and foremost, don't make price your biggest concern. Uh, I look at 401k kind of like I look gen- look at general contractors uh, if, if we're doing, you know, ho- home repairs. I definitely don't want the most expensive and I certainly don't want the cheapest because the most expensive guy probably has some extra fees in there, which they that's fine if they think they're worth it. 
but the cheapest where everybody price shops, especially in the 401k space, that's where I get really concerned because when we see these providers that are out there saying lowest cost 401k or you know, we're the cheapest out there, we'll beat any price or whatever their their pitch is. Um, you got to remember that it's a very messy and manual business for the most part. And outside of human interest, who we created all our own proprietary technology out in San Francisco from, you know, some amazing engineers that, that we've had working for us and, and grown that team out. Most folks don't have that. And it's people that are part of the process. So if you have a low cost platform, you probably don't have the same level of customer support or dedicated account management or, you know, people in the field, because at human interest, we have 95 people in the field across the country in different locations on top of, you know, our different channel teams that are working with different professionals. So those I think are are the biggest concerns of what does the team behind the plan look like? Because it's real easy these days to have a pretty website, and when things go right, it's great. But what happens when you face a little adversity with that plan? So that's a long-winded way of saying price would be the one thing I wouldn't focus solely on. Uh, but then also, most importantly, I'd, I'd look at um, integrations because without an integration or connection with payroll, you're not going to have that plan automated. And second level question that I would ask that provider is what type of integration is it? Is it real integration or are you guys just blasting some Excel spreadsheets back and forth at one another and someone in your back office who can potentially make a whole bunch of errors is processing this manually? Because that's what you also don't want. And and integration has been something the industry has lacked uh, because let's face it, financial services is probably the last to adopt technology just because of their their hesitancy with all the, uh, the legalities around. We'll, we'll have to figure out whether or not it's legal services or, or the financial <laughs> services, but I'd say they're neck and neck. Uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the HR Power Hour on News Talk WLOB 100.5 FM and WLOBradio.com. We'll be right back. In today's highly regulated climate, customized HR solutions are needed more than ever. Career Management Associates can partner with your existing HR department for projects or even serve as your outsourced HR team. From compliance and compensation to investigations and employer relations, CMA provides you trusted HR solutions. Call 207-780-1125 or visit cmacareer.com. At over 150 years old, Verrill has an illustrious history with more than seven generations of legal expertise. With more than 130 attorneys across seven offices from Maine to Washington, D.C., Verrill serves clients across the country and around the world. HR professionals, business leaders, and in-house counsel count on Verrill as one of the premier labor and employment law practices in the Northeast. Contact Verrill at verrill-law.com. That's verrill-law.com. Hi, I'm Susan McVetty. And I'm Pete McVetty from McVetty's Hearth and Home. Is there a sale going on at the store right now? No. No Hearthstone, Quadrifier, Mendota, Wittis, Blaze King, or Morso sale? No. No Yodel, Vermont Castings, or Regency? Oh, there's always a Regency sale. No. You're telling me that out of the gazillions of wood, gas, and pellet stoves that we carry, there's not a single sale going on? Nope. Oh, what about patio furniture, awnings, grills, smokers, and aluminum docks? No, just because there isn't a big sale going on doesn't mean that we're not having great deals and still doing free estimates for anyone needing a heating appliance. Oh, well, good. Just let me know when we're having another sale. Okay, there's always a bargain to be had if you are looking for one. 
and we don't need a new heating appliance. Well, maybe my sister needs one, or my friend, or your sister. Stop by McVetty's Hearth and Home at 893 Route 1 in Yarmouth, or check out our website at stovesofmaine.com for the latest information, including our sales. Really? I have to check out the website? Really? And I can't believe Regency isn't having a sale. It's 6.42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, hey! the dreaded <laughs> splash fight. It's dad o'clock, and it's the best time of the day. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. And we're back, and you're listening to the HR Power Hour, presented by CMACareer.com and Veril-Law.com. I'm your host, Pawnee Alvarez, and today our guest is Vinny Allard, Director of Advisor National Accounts at Human Interest. And today we're discussing the 411 on 401ks. Prior to the break, we, we spent some time um, discussing the retirement crisis in America, and we focused a little bit on what employers can and should be doing, um, the role that employees themselves play, um, the interaction between employers and employees and financial literacy kind of more generally. Vinny, I would like to focus our attention for a little bit, though, on um, states and, and the legislation that's currently both pending or has recently um has recently gone into effect or will be going into effect soon um, concerning 401k. So give me a little bit of an, I say an outline, but I think that could be underselling what's going on here. Tell me what the landscape looks like right now from a state standpoint as it relates to 401k. Yeah. And it's been kind of an ever-changing um area that we we've been watching i mean i think if we look back uh since 2012 we've seen 46 different states either implement uh or have in the conversation some type of state-based savings program or mandated retirement option uh for example i'm here in massachusetts we have the core program which is an optional program for 403bs um for nonprofits because it's historically very difficult for a small nonprofit to get uh, a retirement plan then you have states like California, which is we always know are, you know, the the uh, the leaders in kind of new benefits and HR. And I swear they they have, you know, HR folks with their heads down trying to figure out ways they can they can grow the industry. But I mean, it, it's I 100 percent. I 100 percent agree with you. And even with this work from home model, I tell companies all the time, hire people from anywhere, but try to stay away from California because the compliance is. <laughs> <laughs> compliance is going to be a lot of work for your one employee in California. <laughs> it, it is. And and thankfully, though, in, in this case, I mean, selfishly for human interest, but, you know, also selfishly as an employee of a, of a organization myself, it, it's been great in pushing forward the, the retirement legislation because California was the first to enact their legislation, the first to fine folks uh, if they pass the deadline without. And I mean, New York, Massachusetts, Maine, they're all starting to model their programs after what's going on in California. So most states, for example, they have a descent, descending scale that typically starts at, you know, 50 or 100 employees. 
at the first deadline and will eventually over the next couple of years, if it hasn't already worked its way down to saying, hey, if you have five or more employees, you have to offer a retirement plan. And here's the kicker to your point on California, making things a bit more complex. If you have one of those employees in California, your whole company is subject to that uh, California state mandate. So uh, there's definitely some things to keep in mind as you cross state lines, as you figure out where you have your employees, where you're housed. Um, but thankfully here in in um, the Northeast, it's it's really to focus on the, the mandate who has to do it uh, coming up. It's, you know, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, and then Maine will be coming online later this year, as we know. Okay, so give me a little bit of a sense is when we talk about these mandates, is it really just if you have X, Y, and Z number of employees, you must offer a 401k or is there a requirement that, I mean, to me, it sounds a little bit overstepping, but that you say you must save 1% or 2% into your 401k um, based off of either what the wages are, the locations in which they live, or uh, how long they've been with the company, kind of what do these statutes look like? And I think that's the nice difference between the 401k and the state mandated IRA option that most are coming out with. So for example, you you mentioned the 401k and are there savings requirements? And, and the short answer is no. You know, The employer just has to offer the retirement plan and then employees can either opt in to the retirement plan if it's more the traditional sense or if it uses a, a pretty popular feature uh, called auto enroll. In that case, it's an opt out scenario. Uh, that being said, if you look at the state mandated plans, depending on the state, a lot of them, if the employer does nothing, they have to enroll their employees into the state plan at a set percentage for typically post-tax deferral. And it's usually one or two percent. Um, it is typically what what I've seen. Uh, there may be a few that are a little bit higher than that, but for the most part, it's only if you're using the state program and defaulting into that, is there some type of mandatory employee deferral? So you mentioned California has this. Um, we have Maine, we have Connecticut, New Jersey. Are you aware whether or not there's other states that are considering similar legislation? Or do we think that a lot of states are going to wait to see how it plays out in these jurisdictions? And maybe in four or five years, they're going to attempt to implement similar regulations. Uh couple things on that one. And actually, as I clarify one of my last statements, I just want to make it clear that that the employee can always opt out of those state programs. So it's not a, an employer offers it or enrolls them and then that's it, they're stuck. The employee always does have the opportunity to opt out after enrollment. Um, and then to get to your question on other states coming on board, I think largely it's going to be a, a wait and see game with what happens in some of the larger states. Uh, perfect example California, who we we keep using here because they, you know, are always the first. New York and New Jersey, to an extent, last year had this wait and see approach as California's program came online. New York slowly came online. And then I have colleagues that I work with down in New Jersey that it was, hey, we haven't heard anything on this state plan in, you know, six, eight, 12 months, what's going on? And then suddenly it was, all right, in six months, if you have more than 25 employees, you have to have this plan. Uh, same thing in Connecticut. It was, you know, a year or two of, of silence, then I think it was the the gentleman that was running the program I heard was about to retire. And then suddenly everything, you know, came out and it was all very similar to um, what we saw in, in other states. So uh, I think it's a lot of copycat programs that we'll see come out that are, 
you know, customized to, to the specific demographic in the States. Um, but by and large, I think they'll, they'll be very similar from a, a design perspective, maybe with just some slight nuances into who they're using for a provider and, and what setup looks like. So you mentioned earlier that California statute provides in part that if you have an employee in California and the 401k mandate is applicable, that it would be applicable across the board. Do you know if that's the same with any of the other states or is that more California specific? Uh, so as I understand it right now, and this is all coming from from recent conversations I've had with um, our team that specifically handles the state mandates and kind of keeps us posted on on the changes. Right now, as I understand it, it's only California that has that, I guess, re- reciprocity, you know, of if you have an employee here, everybody in your company has to have it. Will we see that in other places? Maybe. Again, you know, New York, Massachusetts, if we eventually do something, I mean, I'm kind of surprised we haven't already and we just have the 403 program. Um, because we're, we're usually right in lockstep with, with California, New York, when it comes to those type of regulations. So, uh, I'd imagine we'll start to see some type of, um, heavier regulation and, and more copycat, uh, rules as, as time goes on and they see the effective enforcement. So, I mean, that's a really key, key word, um, <laughs> enforcement in my job. I mean, part, part of my role is to help weigh risk. Um, when we talk about risk, uh, the enforcement aspect of it plays a role, but also <clears throat> what happens if the organization fails to comply? What are some of the remedies or uh, that are available to employees or penalties that might be imposed by the state? Yeah, um, I mean, depending on the state, uh, the fines will differ. Uh, I want to say um, some of the states have like a 250 per person out of compliance penalty, others it's, you know, $50. Uh, so depending on the state, there there are different penalties and requirements. I think the bigger question is how and when are they going to enforce that? Because I know it's it's easy to say you have to do it by June, but I mean, we, we see an employment crisis across the country right now. Nobody has the help they need. What's the reality of when the state is actually going to be able to get to these businesses and say, hey, you're you're not doing your retirement plan, you know, we're going to find you now. Um, I wouldn't want to test that if I was a business owner, because I certainly don't want to go through those hoops to to appeal or uh, handle the process. But um, I- I'm still very curious to see how and where the um, the enforcement of some of these deadlines goes as time goes on. Now, I would presume that there's some type of, I mean, is there an annual filing that's required? Because otherwise I struggle with how the state would know or not know that this is that this benefits being offered, especially considering that, um, you know, the employee does have a say in whether or not they take advantage of the benefit or instead is it your understanding that they're relying more upon whistleblowers or, or individuals within organizations who may be contacting the state to say that their employer is not in compliance. That's a great question. I mean, in, in, Pure speculation. I mean, I'd imagine early on it, it may be whistleblowers that are, you know, employees that are a bit upset that, you know, they don't have a plan and they want one. Um, but I think the bigger way they're going to locate these companies that aren't offering one is through um, the plans, I guess, annual tax filing, for lack of a better term, that form 5500. It's called where, you know, their tax IDs on there. It shows what they contributed to the plan, the costs to the plan, the uh, withdrawals from the plan and, and kind of everything in between. It's it's really a 
less of a tax return for the plan and more of a kind of plan health document for for folks to to see and look at. Uh, and then those are typically publicly available with, within a few years on on um, services. So uh, folks have access to them if, if they really do want to see them. Well, that's definitely helpful to understand that process. Um, we're going to take a really quick break. You're listening to the HR Power Hour on News Talk WLOB 100.5 FM and WLOBradio.com. We'll be right back. Educational HR Radio is critical to your organization's success, and our sponsors understand the value this program brings to owners, C-suite professionals, and the HR community. We are honored and thank our sponsoring law firms of Verrill, Sheehan Finney, Jackson Lewis, and McLean Middleton. Our partner sponsors of Healthcare Purchase Alliance and Strategic HR. Want to be a sponsor of the HR Power Hour? Text 603-303-6124 and say, we want to be an HR Power Hour sponsor. Founded in 1958, Jackson Lewis is a national law firm with a local presence. The firm's 765 attorneys practicing in 54 locations throughout the U.S. and Puerto Rico provide a wide range of resources to address every aspect of the employer-employee relationship. HR professionals, business, and in-house counsels and C-suite professionals count on Jackson Lewis as it has one of the most active employee litigation practices in the United States. Contact them today at jacksonlewis.com. That's jacksonlewis.com. At highway speeds, the average text takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds. That's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Stop texts, stoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And we're back, and you're listening to the HR Power Hour, presented by CMACareer.com and Veril-Law.com. I'm your host, Connie Alvarez, and today our guest is Vinny Allard, Director of Advisor National Accounts at Human Interest. And today we've been discussing the 411 on 401ks. We've discussed what 401ks are, some of the regulations um, surrounding 401ks. We have spent some time talking about the retirement crisis in America and uh, roles that employers and employees and the federal government and the state government play and and how we find ourselves here and ways in which we can help to resolve. I don't want to say fix, but kind of take action towards this crisis um, and, and minimize its impact some. You know, Vinny, if you if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners, and you've given a whole host of pieces of advice, so it's not really fair of me to say like just one um, what would that advice be, Vinny? I think it would be to to never settle with your payroll, HR, and benefits offerings, really. Um, I think it's easy to get wrapped up in the old adage that we were all told to, you know, close off relationships, find a place that, you know, you can do everything in one place, whether it's a, a paychecks, an ADP, a PEO of some sort, like that used to be the way to streamline and save costs. But I think what we've lost over time is, you know, those companies have all had to increase their earnings as well. So it hasn't been the deal that that it's been billed in years past. So looking for organizations that, you know, have I outgrown my payroll company? Is there a better way to integrate my HR software? Can we get better functioning uh, systems for, for our employees? 
and then looking at it from a holistic standpoint of, okay, how does that then integrate with my benefits, my 401k? Is this going to help our goals of attracting and retaining talent? Uh, is it going to save us money? Because depending on what your goals are, it may be better to spend a little bit more if it's going to make you more efficient to then grow your business one way, or it may be better to decouple all these services from the one-stop shop because it might not be as good of a deal as you're thinking. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I'd say do your homework, find a group of trusted professionals that you can use as a sounding board and, and really trust their advice because it's very hard to find someone who's an expert in all these different areas. But if you find someone who's an expert in one, there's a really good chance that they have a trusted team of experts that work in all the others. So um, just work with good people. And I think you'll have good results. Oh, I think that those are some really great points. And it ties into the fact that even if your role in the organization is very benefit um, focused, if you're at a larger organization, that this plays a role in your recruitment, that you need to be talking to your employee relations team as it relates to ability to retain talent, um, to your recruitment department as it applies to your ability to attract talent. Um, and then also, I'm sure that your finance department is um, really going to find it important to make sure that all of your software can at least um, speak to each other, that, that they're not all operating in their own silos, but that instead that they, they can interact appropriately with each other. So, Vinny, thank you so much for your time and for answering some of my questions, whether they be really basic about what is a 401k or some of these more intricate details about um, the evolution of the state laws that we're seeing from a retirement plan perspective. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the HR Power Hour on News Talk WLOB 100.5 FM and WLOBradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and catch us every week at 10 a.m. on News Talk WLOB 100.5 FM or 1310 a.m. and streaming live at WLOBradio.com. Podcasts of this show and every show are available at hrpowerhour.com. Have a great week, everyone, and remember, HR management is critical to your business's success.